So I'm hit the 30 minute mark on the Facebook live stream. So I think I'm going to try to field some Instagram live Q and a, like I just got two here. I just have one from Wyatt and I have one from JPan the second. Um, thanks for submitting your questions, you guys. And I'm going to kind of get to those now. So I'm going to get to Wyatt's first and what Wyatt said was, I would love to hear your advice on staying creatively busy during trips where, uh, where you might not have all your supplies you normally do. Oh, totally. So Wyatt's been on a trip recently and um, I've kind of been seeing him create content. I definitely think traveling is a way to stay inspired and I don't really think you have to go across the world, right? You can go in your own city, but just walk a different direction, walk backwards, go to a new neighborhood, um, you know, go to the park and actually sit down. I, I, it amazes me how many public parks we have and then like you never see people using them. So just like travel in terms of changing your routine and changing and moving around. But on those longer journeys where you might not have like your whole studio, uh, you kind of got to plan ahead, I think. And if you're going to plan packing your underwear and your t-shirts, then you should plan what art supplies you can take. And you should really allocate a section of your suitcase or your carry on to your creativity. Cause obviously it's at the front of your brain and really it's inescapable. And I don't think there's any way to unplug from being a creative person, but obviously you can't lug your 3d printer around with you everywhere. Not every place on planet earth has Wi-Fi connection to get to your Adobe cloud apps. Um, so you you really kind of got to think about that. And I think what's great is if you're in a position of privilege where you carry a mobile device with you every day, um, that is endless, right? Like the app store in terms of creative apps is endless. Um, so what I would recommend is, you know, if you're, if you have a mobile device and you can, you still use that on your trip and maybe you don't have access to Wi-Fi at every single minute of the trip, but maybe you do at night or something like that. Um, or maybe not at all. I don't even think you need Wi-Fi to use your mobile device, right? If you already have the application downloaded ahead of time, just search, just search for some weird apps like Google, some weird app developers, research some creative app developers, research some artists who are doing creative um, app development, you know? really look into that kind of stuff and just maybe create a little folder of travel art apps and they don't have to directly flow into your existing creative process but I definitely think that just having them and using them and saving them can help your documentation purposes right and you might not have a project in mind when you start the traveling adventure and you might not have a project when you end the traveling adventure but you're going to have a body of research and you're going to have a body of documentation from using these creative apps and who cares what it is like who cares if it's graphs or whatever or weird 
weird camera things or weird fit and nutrition apps that are keeping track of your data through the trip or whatever it is, just have some weird apps that aren't part of your daily routine and aren't part of your creative process already and just use those and like get weird with them and just try new things out and who knows what you'll discover, you know? So I think if you're privileged enough to have a mobile device on you while you travel, just have some weird applications downloaded before you go travel and utilize that. And, you know, I know why it's kind of been exploring into animation and things like that and sort of 4D content as well as illustration. So I think having a mobile device with you that's able to record video would help influence your animation workflow and give you a body of found footage and sort of just clips to work with in, in terms of creating videos, creating After Effects animations, you know, just run it through a weird app or just take video in general and have that for later, you know, and just create things and just have a, a stream of a body of documentation. And then the other thing is, is like with that mobile device, you can always experiment being a photographer and sort of taking snapshots and experimenting with composition and color and whatever have you, you know, whatever principle of design, art and design that you want to focus in on, you can use your camera to kind of as a tool to explore that principle of art and design, right? Like you could spend your entire travel looking for texture. You could spend your entire trip looking for a color. You could spend your entire trip looking for line. You know, you could just focus in on one principle of art and design and use your mobile device and your camera on that mobile device just to document and explore that principle. And I think any way you can engage your brain in creative thinking and abstract thinking while you're traveling is great, right? And to create moments for that. Another thing is like a pen, a pencil, I would recommend a pencil. I think that's more quote unquote. I think I would recommend a pencil. I think it's more universal, uh, but a pen, um, a tool to mark um, could be very useful. Just carrying that with you and create a challenge out of it maybe and don't carry the paper, right? Like just create the marking utensil and don't carry the paper um, and just find scraps, right? Find newspapers from wherever you're traveling, cocktail napkins with branded logos and kind of create a scrapbook through found paper and then doodle on that found paper. And now that paper is telling a narrative as well as the illustrations on it. And I think you could collect that kind of stuff very easily. And I think it would take just a stack of like cocktail napkins and newspapers and found flyers and, you know, paper, even though we're very digital centric um, society, I think paper is still very accessible throughout the world. You're going to find scraps of it everywhere. So just collect that and then like keep it in a Ziploc bag or keep it in a folder and bring it home with you. And it shouldn't take up a lot of space in your backpack or your suitcase. And then that way, when you get home, you can reflect on them, scan them all in. And now you have like a very interesting travel journal with scraps of paper with your mark making tool. Now, the last thing that I want to recommend, I'm going to kind of have to, I don't know how careful I should be doing it. I mean, it's 2018. So, uh, graffiti, you know, research, be smart about it, like research local laws and things like that, or maybe like DM some street artists and graffiti writers in the place that you're traveling, if you can find them, but really maybe like 
invest 20 bucks in a stack of stickers with your design on it. That's don't plug anything necessarily. Maybe put your Instagram handle on it, but make it a creative, a fun thing, you know, like take a doodle and turn it into a sticker and take a stack of stickers with you and like stick them everywhere, hand them out, try to make connections with people. You know, now that you've got this thing, slap it everywhere, take pictures of it wherever you slap it and create a diary out of that, create portrait series where like if you take a portrait of someone while traveling, you have a sticker to give to them. And now they have a thing, right? Like they have, not only do they have the opportunity to look at their photo or maybe get their photo from you, but now you can give them a sticker, right? Like you can give them a little memento and you can also like, I don't know, I don't want to endorse this activity, but you can put them up around, right? And like document their journey and their life. And like, again, back to hashtags, give your sticker a branded hashtag. Maybe you put that on the sticker instead of your handle. So Wyatt, I hope that helps um, in your travels. You know, I would say invest in a mark making tool, like a pencil or a pen or um, a handful of cheap pencils and find paper, find things to doodle on, carry a Sharpie with you and find things to doodle on and then save those. Um, you know, another thing that you can do is make stickers, use them for street art and graffiti, but also like use them as collateral to barter and trade and document the adventures of your stickers. And, um, you know, get some weird apps on your phone. Gets if you're um, if you can travel with your mobile device, even if you don't have Wi-Fi, put some weird apps on your phone that um, collect health and fitness data that help um, you know think in a use your camera in a different way. Uh, maybe it's a more local social media that you can use while you're there. Um, so I've got two minutes now remaining on the live stream, and I really quickly wanted to get to J Pen the second's question. Um, Welcome back to Creative Crunch. And now we're going to kind of get into the beef of today's episode, which is the announcement that the Art Institute is closing several locations. Now, what I mean by that is that their higher, uh, their um, parent company, Dream Center Education Holdings, is actually announced that it'll be closing several of its locations that operate under the Art Institute or AI name. Right. So that's what we're getting into now um, is we're going to be talking about that because it was just brought to my attention that the Denver location is going to be affected um, and they're going to be the last day of classes, um, according to my sources and the research I've done is at the end of August. I want to say on the 28th and there are other several locations, the uh, Twitter user I interviewed today. But anyway, I got Twitter user Krayost to submit some audio clips through anchor.fm slash creative crunch and kind of do a little impromptu interview about what's happening to them in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, and so I think at that location is also closing down. So I think it'll really parallel what is going on here in Colorado or what could happen here in Colorado um, in terms of people's emotions around the subject and sort of the information around it. 
So at the beginning of July, the Art Institute announced it would be closing several more locations this year, including the one in Denver, Colorado. The Art Institute, or AI, is a system of for-profit art colleges owned by Dream Center Education Holdings, a Pentecostal nonprofit. At its height, there were greater than 50 campuses. Now, that's drastically changing with decreased enrollment and a shift in attitudes around for-profit education. The previous parent company, Education Management Corporation, EDMC, was delisted from NASDAQ in 2014 with a stock valued at less than one penny per share. And not much has changed since Dream Center Education Holdings, a Pentecostal nonprofit, has taken over ownership and operation of the Art Institute locations. The AI website has a closed school info page that looks like a hit list. There's a red brushstroke at the top that looks like blood. There are over 20 closed locations, and there is no other higher ed institution that I know of that has a page like this on their website. So this really signifies the attitudes around for-profit education in terms of the art industry and how attitudes have drastically shifted since the founding of the art industry. Institute in the late 60s. Educational the educational accreditation the educational accreditation of AI varies among campuses and programs. This affects how credits transfer, or if you do your own research, you'll find out they often don't. Several locations have lost accreditation, including both in Illinois, the one in Detroit, and even here in Denver, Colorado. Personally, I picked MSU Denver, where I just recently graduated from, because a majority of my credits from previous institutes transferred 100%, and if they didn't, my advisor was able to work with me to get them to transfer. And that way, I was able to start as a junior with a completed associate's degree 100% intact. And I will go on the record saying that community college can be a great way to start your educational journey as an artist. Post high school, there is a lot of stress to complete a BFA or to know your major and to go to a traditional four-year institution often funded by the state. Now, furthering that thought, community college are... Community colleges are a great way to start your education as an artist. Often the credits transfer 100% and most community colleges will work with state institutions to guarantee the transfer of credits. With the Art Institute being a for-profit education system, the importance of credits transferring was not stressed. I believe the culture at AI led students to think that there was no necessity for credits to transfer because they would quickly complete their degree inside of AI with all the credits needed. The Denver Post reported that there will be several layoffs, including 13 full-time faculty, 70 part-time and adjunct faculty, and 41 student workers. When doing research for this topic, I went to Twitter to find firsthand accounts from AI students who are being affected by the school closings. Twitter user Krayost, an illustration major and employee of the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, voiced their concerns through audio messages on the Anchor app. If you want to find my work, I'm on Instagram at Krayst, K-R-A-E-S-T. Uh, I'm on Tumblr. 
crazedillustrations.tumblr.com. And on Twitter, because you can't have that many characters in the at handle, it's crazedills, K-R-A-E-S-T-I-L-L-S. How did you hear about the school closing? So I found out about the school closing, uh, the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale, via uh, one of my teachers and the previous head of technology posting articles and, uh, in the case of my teacher, uh, a photograph of a letter that he got in the mail talking about how mass layoffs were going to start in August and continue until uh, the end of the year when the school would uh, ultimately be completely shut down and students would be either taking extra classes in order to finish uh, in the meantime or they would be uh, finishing online or going to other campuses owned and operated by DCEH. And what was your reaction to all of this? Since finding out about the school closing, uh, I've been, uh, since I work for the school, I work in the library, uh, I've been getting messages from other people and, you know, trying to, you know, calm them down. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, also been trying to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do because the school is actually shutting down three months before I'm supposed to graduate. And, you know, I've been trying to figure out if there's any way that I can, you know, A, keep my job and, you know, B, take six you know, credits per term in order to actually graduate a term early and graduate within the, uh, within the time slot that we've been given. And, you know, it's thus far been, you know, pretty much impossible to figure out if I'll be able to do it at all. And in general, what are your thoughts on art school? So while I can't speak for other art schools aside from the Art Institute, because the Art Institute is the only art school I've had experience with, um, basically the Art Institute is just bullshit. Uh, they don't care about you know, each person as an artist. The only thing that they care about is the business of the art. You know, I've been there, you know, I'm in my fourth year now, and the only thing that I've actually learned as an artist about my craft is how to shade with reflected lighting, and that's it. You know, I've spent, you know, it's a $100,000 tuition for the illustration program, and the only thing that I've actually learned as an artist is reflected light. You know, the rest of it is just common sense about, you know, being a professional you know, and treating people with professionalism. And that's really it. Well, I really appreciate you um, contributing that. And it's interesting to kind of see how you heard about your location in Fort Lauderdale closing through um, staff and through your peers um, and ultimately through a professor who got uh, mail in the letter. We're seeing that in Denver too. A lot of the faculty and staff are receiving letters and sort of it's like this reverse process. Um, I believe that there should be like a press release and this sort of thing honestly warrants a press conference um, to keep this kind of announcement faceless and 
kind of not really announcing it and like rolling it out is not really a healthy way to go and it's really kind of leaving people like yourself in a time of transition and it'll be interesting to see what happens with um, alumni and their degrees and sort of students that were in transit or uh, things like that um, and it's also interesting that AI is wanting to do a teach out they've done this in the past um, where they're not accepting any new students on a lot of their locations and they're getting students who are currently enrolled options which more and more is becoming a short list of physical locations and their online portal and your reaction you know is very warranted as well you know working for the library and trying to consult others while creating your own plan can be very difficult um, even with the timeline that you're facing where school is shutting down three months before you're supposed to graduate and you have to take sort of this accelerated course load at the same time that you're working at the same place that you're te you know expected to learn um, Having an accelerated course load, you know, I know I did 18 credits hours a couple semesters, and that's just exhausting. And to have the ex expectation that you're creative and energized and producing artwork um, during an accelerated course load while you're also working is insane. Um, yeah. You know, and I, and, I agree, and I agree with you, and I think this is why in terms of – you know, I agree with your thoughts on art school. I think that this is a reflection of people's attitudes shifting around for-profit education. I know I looked at AI Denver back in 2010 when I was getting ready to graduate from high school, and they did offer a portfolio review, and it was great to hear from faculty and staff, but really that accelerated process that they were offering, right, um, that selling point didn't justify the fact that the accreditation was a nightmare and that my degree, you know, as far as I was concerned, would only work in certain places or in certain types of things and that partial completion, you know, none of these credits would transfer or anything like that. That was kind of the red flags for me and why it kind of quickly got scratched off of my list. I was looking for something fast, right, in terms of like I definitely think – way back in 2010 I was looking for an associate's degree um, and that's just you know not necessarily the best place to do it um, and I think it's interesting that you highlight the points you know being a for-profit institution they don't really care about the art artists as individuals or how you creatively grow um, and they're not really uh, concerned with that they're really concerned with you getting your tuition paid and sort of really the hard business side of things, you know, um, ins and outs and ups and downs and profits and losses. Um, so again, thank you, Kraos, for taking your time to do that interview. And I hope I've been saying your name right. Uh, it's definitely 100% correct in his plug, in their plug. Thank you for taking the time to do the information. I'm going to play the plug again so you can find Krayos on all the social media. Show them some love and support through this trying time. If you went to the Art Institute and you have any advice, uh, please reach out to them on Twitter and tweet them. That um, I will make sure that I play the plug again. And it's at K-R-A-E-S-T on Twitter. If you want to find my work, I'm on Instagram at Kraest, K-R-A-E-S-T. Uh, I'm on Tumblr, 
crazedillustrations.tumblr.com and on Twitter because you can't have that many characters in the at handle it's crazedills k-r-a-e-s-t-i-l-l-s thank you for your time Have you been affected by the closing of AI? Tweet me at Curtis underscore podcast or leave an audio message on anchor.fm slash creative crunch. I want to collect and broadcast as many perspectives as I can. What I think about this is like, just don't go to art school, right? Like this is where I'm going to shake some people up and I'm going to start high energy and then I'm going to go into some other bullet points. But this is where I just want to like shock and awe for a couple minutes. Do not go to art school, right? Like this AI thing and like attitude shifting around four for-profit schools, you know, really reflects that you don't have to go to art school anymore. Like it, you don't like, you don't have to live up to those, um, societal expectations and sort of those art industry expectations that you have this, this, and this, and these letters in front of your degree to operate like that. So really like you don't have to go to art school. I think some other great options are like getting a BA instead of a BFA, like save yourself the time and the energy of a thesis and work on something else, like attach a minor that has uh, business or journalism or communication. You know, the focus of this podcast is communication and arts communication. And so the thing is, is like you already know how to visually communicate, right? Like as a maker and as a creator and as an artist, you visually know what to do. So go out and get a BA, satisfy those creative needs still, but maybe add a minor that isn't art related. Okay. I have some friends doing this. I chose to do it with my degree. I actually chose to do the inverse. I actually chose to go full out, go with a business major and like just put art on the back burner. And I was still very creative. Like I don't feel like I sacrificed my creative identity. I don't feel like I sacrificed my abstract thinking and my creative thinking. And I don't think I lost touch with any of that. If anything, I actually strengthened it because I used those skills in my major. So again, don't go to art school, right? Like you can go as far as I want to go. Um, uh, you know, you can go as far as I pushed with it and like get a major that is completely not art related, like focus on business, focus on communications and attach an art related minor, you know, like a lot of the schools that a lot of the schools that offer creative majors have creative minors. So, don't go to art school. Consider getting a BA instead of a BFA. Save yourself the pain, the time, and the energy of a thesis and go go invest that equity and that energy in something else. Like go chart a new path for yourself. Go learn how to write a business plan. Go learn how to grant write. Like take a sales minor. I cannot imagine the power of someone with a communications design degree and a sales certificate, even a certificate, a minor, you know, an additional thing attached to communication design. What my background is in, you know, graphic design as it's called sometimes and communication design, right? Like if you are able to pair that with something else, that makes you 
more lethal in today's art industry marketplace because you're going to have to wear multiple hats. When I work my marketing job, I am also designing. I am also content creating, but I need to know how to write in the APA style. I need to know current trends and analytics and like what's going on in the social bubble and how to push that out, right? So think about your education. You don't have to have an art degree to be an artist. You don't have to have a BFA to be considered good, right? Like you will be your credentials. Your credentials are not you. That is again why I chose the IDP because I was able to write an essay and justify my learning goals. I got to pick what I learned. I got to pick what classes I took. I got to work with an advisor. I had advising meetings that were actually beneficial and actually helped me prepare and were rehearsal opportunities every semester for me to talk about my degree and to get ready for a career doing this, doing content creation and talking about what I'm doing. So my point is don't go to art school, look at the future, don't look at the past, right? Like look at the future of the industry, the future of the art industry, not the past. Like drive the train forward. Don't look at the past. Look at the future of where whatever you're involved in creatively is going. Don't look at the past of it in terms of education because education systems are just antiquated by nature. By nature, they are not as contemporary as they should be. So you yourself as the learner and as the person pursuing the education need to put yourself in a position to drive the train. Do not accept majors. Like, do not accept what they tell you right off the bat 100%. Know that you are in charge of your education and that you need to make the most out of it, right? So this is what I'm getting at. And this is why I chose an IDP is because the future of the art industry is we need more brains that are not just art brains, right? Like we need, that's why you're seeing STEM, science, technology, education, math, and even STEAM throwing art in there. That's why you're seeing this take off with elementary schools and with uh, middle schools and now I think it's creeping into high schools and like it'll take forever for colleges to latch onto that so you need to latch onto it and you need to do it yourself right like you need to infuse your education with different electives with a weird minor you know like you need to focus on different other forms of communication you need to learn how to run a camera you need to learn how to be an audio engineer you need to learn how to be a graphic designer if you're not, you know, like you need to learn how to write press releases and maybe take a journalism course. So really just don't go to art school. That's going to catch a lot of flack. And I hope it does like tweet me at Curtis underscore podcast, send me an Instagram direct message. But really, that's how this whole AI thing has gotten me feeling. So I'm going to get to some other points now that the energy's back down. But really, I just I wanted to drive that point home. You don't have to have BFAs or BAs or whatever to participate in the art industry. I think the future is different kinds of degrees, right? Different brains participating in creative things. That's what we need. Um, do you just want to start off by like doing a little introduction and telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So um, I'm Bridget Gallery, and 
I found Curtis actually through Instagram. I've been following you for, I don't know, probably a year now, maybe, or maybe okay. you followed me. I don't even know how, when I, yeah. Um, and I just happened to watch your Instagram story the other day and saw that you were looking for some reach out from ex student or past students and, or graduates and, or current students of the art Institute of Colorado. And I happened to fit the bill. So I started at art Institute June of 2013 and I graduated June of 2017. And my journey was definitely, um, I want to say like post iceberg hit, like they had lost their pretty much their main program head about a year. I want to say it was about a year before I actually started at the school, um, but it was still functioning. You know, things okay. were great. They had a ton of admission um, staff and you didn't really know there was anything wrong. Okay. It definitely was still operating at full staff. Okay. And so it sounds like, and this is interesting because I'm kind of getting this same theme from um, the other person that I interviewed, where a lot of professors found out from a letter from actually the parent company getting sent to them. And a lot of students were finding out through that. Well, students found out through the media, believe it or not. Um, They found out through the news before they were notified. Okay. And they were notified via email after the news broke on July 3rd at 9 p.m. was the timestamp on the email. Wow. But it, so, when you started, it just, it did, it on the surface, it didn't seem like that. It didn't seem like there were any issues. No, not at all. If anything, you knew it was more of a mill at that point. You knew how many people were going. They were running multiple courses of the same offering at multiple times during the week and times of day. And it, I mean, it showed that there was a healthy, healthy attrition. Gotcha. You knew that there were a good amount. There was a, it was healthy competition, if anything. You know, there were plenty of students to kind of fill the fill the graduate needs mm. of a company like the Art Institute at the time. And when I went, um, EDMC was the head com- parent company, and then I was there during the sale of Art Institute, and then the transition into Dream Center. Okay. Which was really strange, and I saw a lot of movement in my time there. Okay, because of this acquisition and transition. Correct. Okay. Um, do you do you uh, want to like what was the first kind of little thing that like tipped you off? Was it like did you go in one Monday and it thought something was a little bit different, or you know what was funny is my sister was a graduate herself, and she graduated out of the interior design program. Okay. Um, she graduated. I want to say in two thousand eight, so quite a few years ahead of me. Um, so I was very familiar with how things were there and they were full. I mean, the school was so full, you couldn't get parking. It was crazy. Um, and it effectively turned from a very, very healthy environment to a very unsatisfactory environment. One quarter when all of a sudden kids couldn't register, they were taking days and weeks on end to reply to um, our head of our department um, wouldn't return emails. And in that time, it was kind of like, it's strange that all of a sudden a head of a department leaves. Right. Especially for a school that has been so healthy for so long. Okay. And in my time, I saw four department heads alone. Wow. In four years. You know, those were the people you would schedule with and you would have conversations with about your progress or your instructors or whatever, what kind of your counselor, if you will. Yeah, Um, definitely. 
And so you get to know these people quite well. And when they change and the department shifts so often, it, it that for me was a big sign. That was the first sign that I said, there's not, there's not like actual, you know, flow to this situation. There's something up. And I would always hear from friends who were um, dealing with finance all the time and all these papers they had to sign. And I said, that seems weird. You shouldn't have to re-sign things. And started red flagging like that. Okay. That was the clerical side. The other side was our teachers. Our teachers who had been there for 20 plus years systematically got let go. Okay. One by one by one. And that was the reason I stayed at Art Institute was purely for my instructors. Okay. They, they, gave, they gave me faith that my education was valid. They gave me, you know, they, they made it real for us. And that's, I mean, do you stay for the door? Do you stay for the teacher? Who do you stay for? Right, right. Um, and I wasn't staying for the name. At, at the point when I went to Art Institute, they had already, the company had already been in the hot seat for quite some time. Right. So, I mean, I went in full knowing that, you know, accreditation could be lost or this could be lost. But, I mean, what I found in the teachers there and the staff, I really enjoyed. Okay. So, does that, you know, that's fair. That's Those are yeah. the people that you see every day. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, like a big part of anyone's education and who they really connect, yeah. connect to. And, um, you know, like, do you think that, like, your degree progress was influential in that all? Like, I know some people were really no. keeping tabs on that. Other people really weren't. Yeah. So, yeah, I originally started at Art Institute just kind of as a hobbyist and just okay. filling time. I really wasn't degree seeking until I was about three quarters in. And then I realized, oh, I guess I'll just get a bachelor's. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> I, really, I wasn't going to school. To, I know that sounds crazy, but like I was going to school just to pick up like some craft classes. I wanted to go back into dark room. Okay. I enjoyed it as a craft. And that's, I was time filling. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I kind of enjoy this. So I'll stay. So, um, what happened was there was a shift in our program midway through. We were not notified via email. We were not told even by our teachers or our administration that our degree had changed. And now we're going to have this degree. And these are the new classes you get to pick from, which in disguise now, was them scrambling to basically exit students before Dream Center took over. Okay. Or when it, it was kind of during that transition time. So I signed up for a bachelor's degree in photography. Okay. And I exited with a bachelor's degree in digital photography. They changed the name of the degree. They changed the entire, uh, the entire breakdown. And it was... It was felt there was the old students and the new students. Um, rules about, you know, attendance changed. Rules about the grading system drastically changed. You used to go to Art Institute and you would see people drop like flies. You didn't turn something in. It was zero. There was no bypassing that rule. It was a hard and fast rule. Things got loose. All of a sudden, all of, all of the old rules I started with became these new, <laughs> oh, it's okay, C's get degrees kind mm. of tone. And it infuriated me. I was an achiever. Right. I put hard work in. I gave hard work. And to see that be devalued by this undertone of get them through, and it was known and felt. 
But, you know, for the kids that were just getting through, we're like, oh, this is great. Like slicing off cake. So as somebody who's, you know, I have a I have a very documentary journalistic style in my work anyway. Mm -hmm. I pay attention. Um, I even actually just posted on Instagram just because we're doing this this uh, talk tonight. And I just said, you know, I, I thought about it. I was like, I have images of them clearing house and we were told not to worry. Oh, they're just getting new stuff. Don't worry. It's it's no big deal. So it turns out that it was a big deal. Yeah. And I, and I want to I want to unpack this a little bit as an outsider, um, you know, and, and just going my educational experience is solely with state schools. So. Yeah. So in the structure, it sounds like this parent company is like this omnipresent being. Absolutely. So there was no but there was nobody at our Institute of Denver who worked specifically for the parent company. So there were okay. there were a few people. Um they would train are you still yeah. there? Okay. They would train um here's the yeah. thing. They never had direct contacts with students. Okay. That's yeah. That's touchdown that, was yeah. Very much our teachers, our direct program heads, and a few other gen ed staff that you okay. knew. Because everybody had to pass that class or this class, and you kind of band together and you get each other through. Um, but not until the very end were those skeletons kind of seen. Okay. And that was in the um, seat of the uh, like student affairs directors. And they left when we we went on break one time, I think it was over winter break and people who had been there for years started leaving. OK. And it was kind of like very noticed. And then we had a president shift again, not something you see at schools very often. Right. Um, and I believe currently they're without president there at this time. OK. Um, I saw a new dean in my time. I saw I saw a lot of those upper head changes. I didn't want to get involved. Like I just, I stuck my nose where it benefited me the most, which was in getting my grades, you know, getting my work mm -hmm. done. But like I said, once you start eliminating enough staff, you start to see those skeletons. Right. You know, there would be full rooms of what were offices that would just be emptied over each vacation or each one week break we had in between quarters. Wow. Yeah. I mean, our institute runs on 11-week cycles. We have 11-week quarters, okay. one week in between, and usually two or three weeks for summer. And it is, it, I mean, it is a constant running ship. There is somebody in that building all year round. Yeah, okay. So, and, and that's the difference between state schools and a for-profit university is, you know, state school, there's no one on campus usually during summer. It's pretty quiet. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? You go down to a rare area, and it's, don't get me wrong, it's people using facilities, but it's, it's quite serene. Right, right. So, and, and that is a, that's a big, big difference. And that, that was another reason Art Institute was a choice because you could get in and get out. You know, you didn't effectively have to wait for fall. Yes, exactly. So. Yeah. And that's exactly what, um, attracted to me, me to Colorado Mountain College in Glenwood Springs is, you know, I was at this weird point in my life in between degrees and weird jobs Hello, and things like there? that. 
Yeah. And so um, that's why I was looking at Colorado Mountain College because it was a two-year degree program. I could get in and out and I could do the same sort of things. And I actually considered the Art Institute when I graduated in 2010. Um, I participated in like a portfolio review at the downtown building. Um, but yeah, it just, I kind of immediately got what you were talking about, you know, even at that young of an age. your thoughts it's because of how the parent company acted oh 100 yeah. they took money over value of skill they took they looked at dollars over you know attrition attrition was a huge issue anyway okay uh, but it was it was money money always money ruined this institution right. in my and um and uh, believe me plenty of other people's opinion right and you know you knew the students that were part of the unfortunate bait and switch you knew the people that did not belong there and were there just to fill a seat um and those are the people like i said like they were getting degrees they thought they were going you know to school and this was the best thing in their life that had ever happened to them when I was there for a hobby, I was there for because they had a dark room, a full functioning, well right. managed, beautiful dark room. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know that, and I and people would dread those classes, and I was in there for hours. I loved that place. Yes. And as you know, as a now turned photographer, those those places are few and far between for us. Yeah, well, and I even experienced that with um, printmaking. You oh, know, yeah. you know, like the second you graduate. The facilities that do lithography and these fine art practices that you've spent four years learning, they don't exist outside of academic institutions. You know, they don't exist. They're wildly expensive. They're in New York. They're you know, in LA. I mean, our technically our climate here isn't great for the process. It just isn't. And that's a fact. Like digital printing and dry arid climates don't mix because of yeah, you know, our moisture content. Um but the access, like you're saying, once that's gone for a student or, you know, a starting professional, oh man, does that affect you? Right. You know, the, the proof is in the print. And that's something our teachers taught us. Like your photography doesn't exist until it's printed. Mm. And I know that's hard to believe, especially in the digital age. And like, you are very heavy on Instagram and, and have a voice about your digital presence is your presence. And it is, don't get me wrong. It totally is. But we were taught that prints matter equally. Right. Well, and, and using that same metaphor uh, applies exactly to your educational degree, right? Absolutely. Like it doesn't exist <laughs> it until doesn't. It, it's printed. And, you know, and I think now the challenge is, is what do these degrees mean as you build your career? You know, personally, I've never been asked to manifest my associate's degree. I'm, no. ho- I'm hoping it happens with my bachelor's degree because I worked my ass off. Yeah. But. You know, I'm just curious, like your thoughts on that, like in terms of like moving forward, will you more like lean on the portfolio or will you still take pride in the fact that you uh, completed something at the Art Institute? I do take pride. I take pride because of how long it took me to actually get to school, finish Mm -hmm. school, do all of that. I absolutely, that's, no one gets to take that away from me. Right. Dream Center, no one gets to take that. I earned that and I know that. Yep. Um, no, and I think a big part of it is 
you lean on your portfolio because your proof is your portfolio. Yep. If someone thumbs through your portfolio and they can do it in a second, two seconds flat, that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. Your visual education and your visual literacy is so critical in establishing a tone for your future employment. And that doesn't require a degree. You know, and I know that sounds kind of harsh and, and true, but it's it's it is harsh and true is if you can't compose and you can't complete a project, you don't exist. Yeah. Degree or no degree. And I think it's always gonna be a portfolio written process. Don't get me wrong, you're gonna get jobs based on who you know or what you know, but most of the time the proof is in the portfolio. Sounds like you've listened to a couple of the podcast episodes. <laughs> no, I really haven't. I, sorry. <laughs> um, I researched, but I didn't dig that deep. I just, you know, and the, here's, a, here's an interesting point from a student I talked to today who's yeah. in print, literally sitting her bottom in seats this week. I cannot believe they're running classes, but they are. I can't believe that. They were told these classes effectively will look at, they will go towards their total, I don't want to say points or their credits because that word is invalid effectively because they don't have accreditation. Right. Is that June of last year, they were given accreditation back or they were approved for accreditation because that was something that was going on the last year of my education was we were always having quote unquote visits. We were getting, people were looking and they were accrediting us and all this jargon. And she basically said that they got diplomas. If you graduated December forward or January forward, you got a diploma, but your degree would disqualify you for then furthering on to a master's program. And it would appear as a certificate and not a P or not a bachelor's degree. Oh my God. <laughs> so I, I laugh. It's not funny. No. It so that, that release of, are you kidding me feeling? Right. Um, so these students that have recently graduated have degrees that just don't mean what they meant exactly six months ago before I, when I graduated. Right. So I got in, I got out under the wire and yeah. um, that, thank goodness. But, and then the other thing that is really important to note is they were told, and this is a current student, when she went to go over to Rem to another, uh, there's another one that she interviewed at, or UCD, is that her credits would be a, basically equivalent to a year and a half behind where she currently is considered at Art Institute because the Art Institute runs on quarter program right. and other institutions run on a semester program. So because of that accelerated programming, it puts people in a really unfortunate position where they've spent money on these credits that they will never get back or are valid anymore. Right, exactly. Now, the, there is still valid accreditation in the online program. Um, so there is that. They, they still do that. The Art Institute still does have that. And that's the Art Institute of uh, Pittsburgh. Okay. So she's trying to do – this girl I talked to is trying to exit via that way okay. because – um, that's the only option she has or to be set back a year and a half and have X amount of dollars be tacked onto her student loans. Right. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I've heard, heard similar stories from RIMCAD. Yeah. It's quite yeah. shameful. You know, yeah. that's, that's unfortunate for these students. Right. 
you know, who are, or, I mean, we already know that student debt ratio is upside down and backwards. And this is something that could have been avoided. And there's an entire group of students that were basically, in my opinion, swindled. Right. So it's unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. Yeah, it it, it is. Um yeah, it's 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 got me baffled, you know, because I'm trying to imagine with my, you know, business and marketing education, what what's the parent company's end game here, you know, like And apparently the the administration didn't even know. Right. And there's another another friend of a friend who was let go today. And you see this this person get let go and they're totally baffled by thinking, oh, you know, the students are going to in the classes, they'll just move, probably move me over to this you know, institution. You think you have a job with this parent company, this dream center. Yeah. And, you know, what is this? What is this parent company? We we're told it was a religious community. Yeah. Pentecostal. Pentecost. Thank you. But they weren't going to impl- implement any of that into a schooling program. It's like, then why would you buy a totally defunct chain of schools? I, I, I never understood the value in that. So what is where is the where's the backhand? Because the shoe's going to other shoes going to drop. Right. So is, is it about facilities? Because because where the Art Institute physically stands, I'm sure is worth more than the amount of students that were in there even six months ago. <sighs> Okay, now I'll elaborate on that. That's an interesting thought. So it's at 1200 Lincoln. It's basically, you know, Lincoln and Broadway and uh, 12th, Lincoln and 12th, sorry. (laughs) Um, Look at the real estate in Denver, right? Per square foot, you have a, you know, nine-story building. The footprint that that takes up could equate to probably more than the current amount of student tuition being paid. That has incredible land value. It has a parking garage. It has a back lot. It has an incredible location. Another mm. reason students went to the Art Institute right. was access to facility, this access to the city. Um, you know, the student housing that they had, they had all of these pluses for a, a, an art, art school. You don't see that at art schools. Right. You know, most art schools are commuter colleges. That's just what they are. I mean, don't get me wrong, Art Institute was, but they still had student housing. Right. Um, so I think, you know, when you have to look at that number, is that what Dream Center is doing here with this location? I don't know. You could assume that. But is that where they're going? Is this company doing other things that we just don't know about? Is that my creative brain taking over? Probably. But, <laughs> you know, you want to think about every scenario is like the whys, like what could be happening here? Yeah, like why acquire a national system of, of creative schools of creative schools only to in terms of business timelines sort of immediately start closing things oh, right like yeah, they didn't yeah. they didn't even milk this thing you know not for even some, 18 months like no. honestly like those letters came through that we were being acquired just before i graduated and i was like oh thank goodness i'm out of here <laughs> like right I, I can't imagine sitting through that shift and they took all of our instructors and their staff and they kind of gave them the, you know, good old smoke up the ass situation where it's going to be great, you know, pump, pump, pumped, and then silence. And then you would ask your teacher, you would ask your professor, what's going on here? Oh, it's, you know, they're, they're saying this is going to be great or it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of changes and we're going to see a big change in um, 
benefits for you guys. You know, we're going to get drones. And all of a sudden, all the sparkly words started to come out. Mm. Well, the sparkle turned to dull real quick. <laughs> right. Because here they are. These students were on break and they were notified via the news that they no longer had an instruction or institution to go to. But yeah. then they ended up going back. I can't believe students are, like I said, actually believing in them. Um, there's still visa approved students that are there. International students are still there. God. I mean, that's, that's gotta make you wonder is like you said, is where, where is the intention with this new ownership? Uh, we don't know. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. And so the, like, here's my journey with this. So I was, you know, just doing podcast research and I thought it was like a little bit of a story because everyone was picking it up, but then you go into the Twitter sphere and mm -hmm. I mean, everything you're saying is confirmed by the Twitter sphere. Oh yeah. You know, the, the raw emotion and the way that things were communicated, you know, news outlets and students were all baffled that this was sort of through the grapevine that you're learning about your institution shutting down oh yeah oh yeah it's just it's i don't know i don't understand how like i said you could still have faith in that and i hate to use that word especially with the, yeah. <laughs> with the company. You do, at some point you have to put trust in your instruction in your institution that you're making the right choice and you're going there to benefit yourself and better yourself when really behind the scenes it's the biggest wrapped red taped pillar you've ever seen in your life yeah, no, and I really appreciate this firsthand account, and I think it'll really inform the episode. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to give you an opportunity now, since we're kind of getting close to the uh, hour mark, yeah. to, to kind of just uh, do your plug. Where can people find you? What are you about? Um, you know, um, moving forward, how can we continue to support you on your creative journey? Yeah, so currently I'm making work and curating work for interior spaces. Um like I said, my sister's an interior designer and she has entered me into this world of curating work or art for large spaces and for commercial spaces. And there's a need for fine art if these people are spending X amount of dollars on this beautiful in new interior in this beautiful office furniture, then the art on the wall should radiate with that. Um, and there's a big need for that. So I've kind of worked my fine art into the commercial application. There's actually an instructor at Art Institute that does the same thing. Um, and she gave me this idea that I can sell my art. I can sell myself. And it, it doesn't have to hang in a gallery and it still can be great. And I sell that through my website. It's just BridgetGallery.com. And I work through Instagram mostly just to have an Instagram presence. I don't I don't use it as an avenue like you do, um, but I, I still am there. And that's Ladybird Gallery. And I just I love making art. I love making work for people to look at and have inspiration, connection to and or just something. I just want to make work. And I love that I get to make the work I want to make now. Awesome. Great. Wrap it up. 
I'm done. Thanks for watching Creative Crunch. This is the outro. Tune in every Monday afternoon from noon to 3 p.m. on Instagram at Curtis or on Twitter at Curtis underscore podcast or heck, even Facebook.com slash Curtis J. Tucker. You can catch the live stream in its entirety or in portions. You can leave comments. I always appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.